This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Chances are that each and every one of us knows someone who's stuck in a certain decade, a certain time period. Maybe they drive a Trans Am and they listen to Led Zeppelin and they always talk about that football play that they made in high school that changed everything for them. Maybe they're stuck in something later, they're in the 90s or whatever. The idea, though, is that you and I can get stuck both in a, in a decade and also spiritually. Obviously, we're going to talk about the spiritual aspect of getting stuck. But we get stuck spiritually sometimes. That unless we make a conscious decision to change, we'll stay the same. That the things that we're wrestling with now, that the sins that we're dealing with today, that the financial situation that we have now will always be the case unless we make conscious decisions to change. And every day you and I wake up and we have to make decisions to want to grow and to change. And I would like for it to be said about me 10 years from now, that guy's different in a good way. People say I'm different, but in a good way. That guy's more like Christ than he was five years ago or two years ago or 10 years ago because we change I want to know that I'm spending more time with God and I'm not wrestling with the same things and that I'm growing and that I'm moving forward. Because if we're not moving forward, many times we're moving backwards or we're just staying stuck. Today we're going to continue a series uh, legends of the faith, and we're going to talk about Moses. Now, Moses is a, is a giant of our faith. He's a big one to tackle. Because from his birth to his death, there were epic stories from the basket that he was put in to avoid death as an infant to the, the bush where he received his divine calling. I mean, who sees a burning bush? And, and Moses did. And, and you go all the way through to uh, he, he's, he's facing Pharaoh. But his divine calling was to see the Egyptians, uh, the Israel, Israelites rather, set free from the Egyptian rule. That Pharaoh had held them captive for over 400 years plus or minus. Now, you and I, we know the end of the story. We know that God promised the Israelites that they would have uh, a place to go, that they would have a promised land. And we know because uh, we have our word in front of us and it hasn't changed that the Israelites get set free. Unless I just spoiled the story for you. I'm sorry. The Israelites get set free. And so when we're reading our Bible, we say, okay, well, the Israelites are captive. That stinks. We know they get free. So that's great. But imagine for a second that you were stuck in bondage, slaves to the Egyptians for over 400 years, that all you knew was slavery, that all you knew was work. You were told when to get up, you were told when to go to bed, you were told when to eat and what to eat, that you made bricks, and if you didn't make enough bricks, then the lives of your children were threatened, and all you knew was whatever you were told to do was what you did. You were slaves. And for the Israelites, it's hard to even imagine what freedom would look like because for generation after generation after generation after generation after generation and generation, they were slaves. They didn't know any different. And so Moses comes along, a legend of the faith, with a divine calling in his heart, against all odds, against disability, against uh, Pharaoh's rule, believes that God's going to set those people free. The Israelites themselves, they didn't even necessarily believe it. But Moses believed it. And he wasn't going to stop until he saw him free. And maybe for some of you in this room, maybe, maybe you're stuck in, in a perpetual sin that you can't get out of. Maybe you're stuck in a financial situation that you can't see beyond. Maybe your marriage is in shambles and, and you can't imagine God being able or even willing to deliver you from your situation. 
But I'm here to tell you that God can and He will. Just as He delivered the Israelites, He'll deliver you and me. But it's not always going to come in the way and the time that we think it's going to happen. It doesn't always happen the way that we think. And as our story picks up in Exodus 14, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, we begin to find that the Israelites are, are they're captive, they're stuck. And they don't even know that they can or should move forward. But Moses believes that he can. And I believe in our life there are certain aspects, certain attributes that we should hold that would help us move forward. So if you're taking notes, in order to move forward, the first thing I believe we have to do in our lives is remain faithful. If Moses proved nothing else, he proved that faithfulness was a key attribute in seeing God's delivering the children of Israel. At any point he could have given up. I mean, Pharaoh, after all the plagues, after Moses turned a rod to a snake, which would have easily scared me out of everything, frogs are flying and blood's coming down and stuff's happening all over the place. Pharaoh still holds on. And I doubt there was anyone in that, in that situation that said, you know what, this is going to happen. This is easily about to happen. I can feel it in my heart. It didn't look positive. But Moses didn't give up. And certain parts of his life, he was the only person who believed that it was going to happen. But he believed. For you and I, we've got to remain faithful. We've got to remain faithful. And Moses, trying for several chapters through various plagues, he began to see the children of Israel set free. We find that Pharaoh finally relinquishes. He gives up. He says, you know what? You can have the Israelites. I no longer want them anymore. And in Exodus uh, 13, 17, it says, When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though... That was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. The Israelites had no idea what lay ahead. They just knew that they were, they were had a small glimpse of freedom. They could taste it in their mouth. They were marching away from Egypt. And they knew that God was leading them. Listen, for you and I, a lot of times we find ourselves in a situation and we don't understand why we got there. We don't understand how we got there or what's happening. But we've got to trust and we've got to remain faithful and know that God is leading you and I if we'll remain faithful. That it may not be the shortest route towards freedom. It may not be the shortest route towards deliverance. It may not be the easiest route. In fact, a lot of times it's not the easiest route. But we've got to remain faithful and trust that God knows what's best for us. God already knew the Israelites were going to find uh, the Red Sea. He already knew that they were going to be chased by the Egyptians. He already knew the story. And He knows your story. And He knows my story. And sometimes we feel like God's left you and I out here to fend for ourselves. Right? Have you ever felt like that? Like maybe God's left you and I here to just work through life by, our, by ourselves? And yet we know that God has a bigger plan for our life. He knows the ending of your story. And He's leading you down a path towards freedom, even though it doesn't always feel like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. God knew the challenges that lay ahead. You and I, we can plan our lives, and often we do, to the very detail. But it's when God alters our plan that we've got to trust that He knows what's going on. So just as the Israelites were leaving Pharaoh, he began to change his mind. Of course, you're not going to let a lot of free labor go. He realized that 
the palace was getting dusty and the crops weren't being harvested and palaces weren't being built. And so in Exodus 14.5 is where we're going to pick up if you have your Bibles. It says this, When the word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all of those Israelite slaves get away, they ask. So Pharaoh does the smart thing. He rallies the, the biggest, the bravest, the ugliest, and the meanest of his army. 600 plus chariots, a whole lot of guys with swords and knives and stuff. And he chases them. He chases after them. He said, let's go get them back. I want some alive, some dead. I don't care. Just, I don't want to, I don't want to let them go. So the Israelites, they're, they're marching out. They're getting a small taste of freedom. They're all starting to get a little excited. Like, hey, this is actually happening for 400 years. I've been stuck. This actually feels like it might happen for me. And as they're marching out, they look up. And there's a huge cloud of dust that's beginning to build. As he gets closer and closer, they begin to realize that there's an army after them. That there's an army after them. And in Exodus 14.10, it says, As Pharaoh approached... The people of Israel looked up and they panicked. I mean, would you not panic yourself if you had finally been free after all this time? You felt like God was delivering you from whatever you're facing. And you look up and it's chasing you. It's coming after you. When they saw the Egyptian, uh, Egyptians, uh, they felt like they were about to overtake them. They cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? As a personal note, I love biblical sarcasm. I just like to always note where it is. What have you done to us? What did you make? Why did you make us leave Egypt? And also hindsight 2020. Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the desert. We all have moments where we just panic. We just freak out. We lay in the fetal position and we just cry for a while. Maybe that's just me. We all have moments where we feel like things are overwhelming to us. Where they're not getting better, but our situation is in fact getting worse. And there's nothing worse than giving the promise of freedom and then seeing it almost be snatched away. We've got to be faithful. We've got to trust and know that God is working in our hearts. In order to move forward, we also have to remain focused. We have to remain focused. Life is tough. I don't know if this is a surprise to anyone. Life is challenging. And there are moments, there are circumstances that come up in each and every one of our lives that challenge our focus. Those moments challenge our dedication to God. And the test is, what do you do in those moments? Do you just curl up in the fetal position? Do you start blaming everybody else? Do you start wishing things were the way they were? Or do you remain focused? On God. I don't know if you can put yourself in the position, but you're staring at an army that's probably going to kill you. Like the reality of them bringing everyone back is just not practical. It's just easier to kill them in the, in the desert right there. And Moses, proving once again why he's a legend, remains focused. He remains faithful. Even when he knows he'll probably die. In Exodus 14, 13, we find that he makes an epic speech. He makes a speech of grand proportion that rallies or should rally each and every one of us. It says, but Moses told the people, do not be afraid. 
Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Maybe you're here today and that's all the word you needed. You can pack yourself up and go home. God's going to rescue you today. Don't panic. Don't freak out. Don't cave. Remain focused on the Lord. Because no matter what situation you're facing, no matter what circumstances are coming your way, trust and believe that God has it under control. Just stand still and trust that God knows what He's doing. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord Himself will fight for you. I love this. This is great. Just stay calm. Just stay calm. Exodus 14, 14. Just stay calm. What a great statement. Just stay calm. In your life right now, you might not be able to see beyond your situation. And I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know what you've got to go home to. And I don't know what you brought here with you. But I can promise you that if you remain calm and trust that God knows what's best, He's got your story, He's got your life in His sights, that He hasn't left you to fend for yourself, that He knows where you're going, and He's leading you if you will allow Him to, watch how God comes through for you. Watch how God comes through for you. If you remain faithful, God will deliver you out of your Egypt. He will. Because He loves us and He's purposed us. There has never been and there will never again be someone like you. There's never been and there will never again be someone like you because God has purposed you for a task at hand. That God has called you and given you a divine uh, calling on your life and He's put you here for a reason. No one's on earth by accident. Your parents might have told you that it was an accident, but you were not here by accident. That God placed you here for a reason. And if God puts you here for a reason, don't you think He'd care for you? The Bible says He knows the hairs on your head. Why would He take the time to find that information out if He didn't love you? If He didn't care for you and if He wasn't going to take care of you? See, God doesn't love Moses any more than He loves you and I. I don't think. God doesn't love Moses any more than you and I, and yet He cared for Moses. And in Exodus 14, 21... Moses uh, finds uh, all of the people, all the Israelites, they're, they're staring between uh, the Red Sea and they're staring between an army that's facing them. And all of the Israelites, they're all looking at this Red Sea and they think the only way we can get away is to cross that Red Sea. But not a single person, I would imagine, thought, hey, let's, let's just park that thing. Let's just separate it. Like if I were there, I'd probably think, let's try to grab some wood, maybe build a bridge or a small little boat. I don't know what I would have come up with, but I would have never in my wildest imaginations thought, let's just part the sea. And for you and I, when we're stuck in a situation, we've got perpetual sin or we've got uh, financial burdens following us. Sometimes we don't know how God's going to deliver us. And we come up with ideas and plans and we think he'll probably do this or maybe he'll do that, but we don't know And so for each and every person standing on the banks of that water, no one guessed, I would imagine, that that sea was going to part. But God knew. And so we find Exodus 14, 21 says, Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. This is unprecedented. It's never happened before in history. And to my knowledge, it's never happened again since then. Because that's how God works. 
He does the really cool things. And he likes to wow us and shock us. But God's also in the details. If you note that the water parted all night and God began to dry the ground, God could have easily said, you know what, I'm going to part the waters and you can cross. Just lace your boots up a little tighter because it's going to be a little muddy, but you're not going to get killed, so you'll be okay. He didn't do that because God's in the details. He's not just caring for us, but he's caring for each and every aspect of our lives. That it doesn't feel like it, but he is working in the details as well. And so the Israelites, they crossed over on dry ground. I would imagine they were all a little astonished when they walked through and they just see water. I don't know if you've ever been at one of those uh, aquariums where you go through and there's like sharks swimming above you. And and it's really overwhelming if you're claustrophobic. It's got to be similar. They're just seeing fish swimming around. They're walking across dry ground. But they're all just thankful that they're not going to get killed. And they get to the other side. They get to the other side. And they do like any one of us from Nashville would do. They wrote a song. In order to move forward, we have to remain thankful. We have to remain thankful. Now I realize we're coming off the heels of Thanksgiving. And to be honest, if I get one more thankful post on my Facebook wall, I'm going to scream. I'm not. I'm not. Yes, I am. We're coming off the heels of Thanksgiving and we're all kind of tired of that. Now we're in Christmas mode and trees are up. But as followers of Christ, you and I should always remain thankful. It shouldn't be a seasonal deal. Now we shouldn't eat like we did, but we should remain thankful in all aspects of our life. And so many times I find myself wanting God to do something, needing God desperately to deliver me in a situation or from a circumstance. And I stress it and I, and I cry it out and I, and I don't know how it's going to happen. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it works out. And I just move on. As if I expect God to just take care of me. If I just demand it, I just move on. And I believe that we've got to stop sometimes and be thankful. That we've got to stop and take the time to rejoice. And if you want to write a song, so be it. But stop and celebrate the victory in our lives. Stop and celebrate what God has done for us. That every day you and I must find something to be thankful for. If you can't find that, the fact that you took a breath is a good one to start with. That we all have things to be thankful for. Your life might be chaos. You might like be like Job where everything has just completely been removed from your life. But you remain thankful because you know that God is working in your life. Now I realize it's a lot easier to say than it is to do. I understand that. And I'm not saying that I'm going to be the model for this. Because there are times when I don't, I don't remain thankful. There are a lot of times. But in order to move, we've got to be willing to change. We've got to be willing to change how we react to situations. We've got to be willing to change how we uh, interact with God and how we trust Him to deliver us. That you and I have got to remain thankful. And so they wrote a song, and I want to just read a really short portion of it. When you have more time this afternoon, you can read it all. It's a it's quite a lengthy song, even by today's standards. But I want to read just a short portion of it. It's Exodus 15.1. It says, I will sing to the Lord, for He has highly exalted the horse and its rider. He is hurled into the sea. Says the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise Him. My Father's God and I will exalt Him. Here's the point I want to point out. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is His name. You and I, we all have different views of God. 
And it's been said that if you had a bad father, then you view God as that. Or if you've had a, a really compassionate father, you view God as that. And, and the idea is that God is a lot of things to, uh, to us. That there are times in my life where I need God to be a comforter or a counselor. I need God to just hold me while I'm crying it out. And then there are times I need God to be a warrior. And I don't think we view God as being a warrior sometimes. And man, when there are things in your life, in my life, that we can't overcome, I don't want like a Gandhi-looking Jesus to move in and help things out. I want a warrior Jesus to come in and eradicate things from my life. And when I'm stuck in a situation that I can't get out of, I don't want a, a kind Jesus at that point. I want someone who's going to come in with a sword and uh, a spear and just and fight on my behalf. And I just believe that there, that, that there are people in this room, that there are people that are going to be here today that need God to be a warrior in their lives. That as we remain faithful and remain focused and we remain thankful, we still need God to come in and point out some things in our hearts and in our lives that displease Him. I don't, I don't know if it's a coincidence or, or maybe God's just moving in a specific way in our youth ministry, but I've had the opportunity to, uh, to help several, several people, specifically guys, work through some deep sins, some stuff that they're really dealing with, some stuff that you and I are dealing with too. The difference is that they're very honest about it and they're seeking help and accountability. And I just wonder, what would it be like if we were all to be that honest as some of our students are? Just gut honest saying, you know what, I'm not perfect that I show up here every day on a Sunday and on a Wednesday, but I'm not perfect. There are things in my life that displease God that I find myself sometimes in situations and circumstances that seem overwhelming and I need God to come in and be a warrior for me. What if we were to fillet ourselves open and say, God, do work in my heart. Do work in my heart. That no matter what your situation looks like, no matter what your circumstances are today, remain faithful, remain focused, and remain thankful. Every day, we've got to choose to be different. That if in five or ten years you want to be different, you've got to choose to be so now. That nobody just wakes up and finds themselves closer to God uh, in less problems and, and with more money and, and less uh, debt and, and uh, another a beautiful wife that's uh, the marriage is perfect and all this stuff. We don't just wake up and find things that happen. We've got to trust that God is going to lead us. We've got to make conscious decisions to follow Him, to be faithful and to be focused. If you would, stand with me across the room. I want to read a final scripture to you. I want to read a final scripture to you that I found in Psalms, and it's, and it's David. And, and I love Psalms because there's so much honesty found within the Psalms. That David, he made some mistakes. Well, he killed a guy, so he made a lot of mistakes. But he never pretended. He just, he finds himself open. I mean, at one point he's running around in his underwear. That's just how honest David was. And I love the fact that he was honest that way. You and I, we can pretend that we don't have problems. We can pretend that we don't have struggles. We can pretend that we don't have sin, that we've got it all mastered. But in reality, that's just not the case. So we can either pretend or we can just go to God and say, God, deliver me. Pull me out of my situation. Make me more like you. And so in Psalms 116, 12, we find David... And he's asking just an honest question. He's saying, how can I repay God? I mean, come on. How do we repay God? 
He's done so much for all of us and He continues to do so much for us. We can remain faithful to God because we know that God's remaining faithful to us. How do we repay somebody like that? And in this scripture, just it feels like a little gem to me and, and maybe it's the way I view it, but it just feels like a very honest answer to how we repay God. In, in Psalms 116, 12, it says, What can I offer the Lord for all that he has done for me? I'll lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all of his people. I'll keep my promises to the Lord in front of all of his people. If you would bow your head and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, God, as we stand here today and in just a moment of honesty, God, may we all just look deep inside of ourselves. May we look deep inside of ourselves and see if we can find anything that displeases God, anything that displeases you this morning. God, I ask that you begin to bring to our awareness some situations that, that require, that demand your attention. That God, as we all tend to try to do life on our own, may we find ourselves in a moment of honesty where we say, God, I cannot do life on my own. That when we try, we get overwhelmed. So God, reveal to us those things that displease you this morning. As we leave here today, we can leave here knowing that you're working in our heart. Maybe you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart. David says that's where we start. We offer up the cup of salvation. Maybe you're here and you've, you've let that cup fall. That in front of God's people, you've not found yourself living like God's called you to live. Maybe you've allowed your circumstances, your situation, maybe you've allowed the sin in your heart to leak out into your language, into the places that you go, into the movies you see or the music you listen to. Maybe you've allowed your life to slide away from God today. But as David encourages us to do, in order to thank God for what he's done, we should commit ourselves back to him. Commit ourselves to move back closer to God today. As our prayer team quietly makes their way down front, I just want to pray every head bowed and eyes closed. I just want to pray that God would God would move us to honesty today. If there's a need in your heart, if there's something you drug in here, this is the place where you can leave it. This is the place where you can come broken and find yourself healed. If you want prayer today, in just a moment, our, our prayer team are going to be available. Maybe you're here and you say, I've never asked Jesus to come into my heart. I invite you to come down and 
and allow our prayer team to walk you through that process to make that greatest decision you can make. Maybe you need to rededicate yourself back to him. Maybe there's some things in your life that have slipped. Your morals have fallen and you need God to give you the strength to come back. I don't know what you need here today, but I do know that God is more than able and he's more than willing to meet that need. There's communion available also in the front and in the back. I invite everyone to take part in that today as part of our thankfulness. God, we just come to you now. We ask you just to move in a real and tangible way in our hearts and in our lives. That God, you would move us to desire to be better, to desire to be more like you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Communion's available. Also the prayer team, if you'd like someone to, uh, to pray with you today. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.